Good day to be indigenous. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cuff, Henny Because all the hippies are trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, hey all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Chujunk, Native issues are human issues and human issues are Native issues. Yeah, you are right, Dega. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, before we get with Dr. Stately and Wendy Pilot uh, on today, uh, why don't we take a quick listen and start out the week in a good way, Haley, with uh, Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Sarah Rodriguez. Hello, Hmm. this is Lieutenant Governor Sarah Rodriguez, and I'm joining you on Native Roots Radio with an update. Last month, Governor Ever signed an executive order creating the Healthcare Workforce Task Force. And as a nurse and public health professional, I am excited to lead this task force as we find solutions to our state's long-standing workforce challenges. The task force includes representatives from Wisconsin's education institutions, healthcare professionals, local and tribal governments, labor and patient advocacy groups. Wisconsin is projected to face a deficit of 20,000 nurses by 2040. And between 2020 and 2030, Wisconsin's healthcare industry will see nearly 32,000 annual openings across all healthcare occupations, shortages that can really affect the ability of people to get care in their community. We want to be innovative and strategic as we build a plan to address our workforce challenges. We know that all healthcare is local. Something that might work in Madison or Milwaukee may not work up north, so we want to make sure we are getting input from all across the state. Over the next months, we'll meet with communities throughout Wisconsin to talk about their needs, making sure we put solutions in place that meet those needs. And Wisconsin's spring primary election are coming up on Tuesday, February 20th. The February ballot will include candidates for nonpartisan offices. In Wisconsin, Those include judges, county executives and supervisors, school board members, and elected town, village, and city offices. With a lot of focus on the presidential election this year, local elections often get lost in the conversation. But local officials have the most direct effect on our daily lives. And this is our opportunity to elect the people who will influence choices that affect our community for generations to come. You can still register to vote in the spring primary or at your polling place on election day. Listeners can contact their local clerk's office for more information. Our democracy depends on all of us engaging with the voting process and making our voices heard. I look forward to seeing more Wisconsinites turn out to vote this year. I appreciate this opportunity to share with Native Roots listeners what's happening around the state. I'll talk with you soon. Back to you, Robert. Wow, big peeny geeky Lieutenant Governor Sarah Rodriguez. Wow, uh, let's bring on our guest, uh, uh, as we always have on, Dr. Stately. Dr. Stately, I don't know if you were able to listen, hear the Lieutenant Governor, but I think you deal with the shortage, too, uh, of uh, health oh, workers. Definitely. definitely. I think one of the things that's been really challenging is, you know, in the in the wake of the pandemic, for sure, um, healthcare has taken a large hit in terms of workforce. Um, I think there was a period of time there at the clinic, um, and like in a lot of other places, we're seeing like you know it wasn't wasn't uncommon for me to like you know fill two nursing positions or some other position that was really critical in the operations of the daily clinic, um, providing care to patients, and then finally get one one or two positions filled, and then one or two would quit, (laughs) you know, it was just like, I think it was really, it really is um, deeply impacted by um, just the burnout of providing care during the pandemic to, you know, to patients and to our community and just the the scale of, um, of the, of the loss in the community. 
that impacts not just you know the families and and the other loved ones of, of people who who um you know are no longer with us i think that also takes an emotional and psychological and spiritual toll on our our providers too the people who are caring for those individuals and so it's just like a result of um just the you know that, that slow churn on things it also doesn't help that you know that for, for a lot of folks um in a lot of places um especially i would think like in remote areas where it's really hard to sort of recruit and retain and hold on to um healthcare workers or in like nonprofits like mine where we just cannot compete with like the salaries that you can get from really large health systems like we would lose people all of the time so um we're just you know we are just coming out of i think in some ways over the last i would say you know 10 to 12 months or so of that sort of like that constant churn of losing people all the time and you know i think um my hope is that you know we can find solutions to that we're working really diligently here at NAC to be able to find ways to sort of do a better job of supporting healthcare's um self-care and you know creating an opportunity for people to do a little bit better job of taking care of one another within the workplace and then supporting that as an organization we think is really critical but you know the pandemic really did a number on healthcare we're yeah. probably five to ten years behind that's unbelievable. Hey, we're here with Dr. Stately, who's president and executive officer of Native American Community Clinic here in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. I shouldn't say here. I'm in New York right now. And uh, some people, too, Dr. Stately, uh, like Wendy, she retired early. I think a lot of people had an opportunity, especially the way COVID was mm-hmm. uh There's Wendy right there. Hey. Uh, Smiling and enjoying her retirement. Yes, she is. Right, Wendy, you took some time off uh, early, uh, or you were early retired, too. I did. Like Dr. Stately said, I think, you know, during the pandemic and during that time, it was such a stressful time for all of us. And, you know, myself being older and being, you know, near retirement age, I, you know, I just said, well, this this might be a really good time. So I did retire early. So yeah. And there were other people in our clinic as well who who left and found other positions elsewhere, less stressful jobs. Yeah. Dr. Stately, I see you're going twenty four seven all the time and uh that can't help. But we talk a lot about mental health and especially during COVID and all these times, uh you know, Wendy's worked on her mental health by uh, retiring, but you know, you're you're still in the trenches, and it's got to be difficult when people with Wendy's experiences, you know, a lot of experience they have, are, are not in the healthcare anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely work hard, and you know, I t- I do I work I'm working all hours of the nights, quite frankly. Part of that is because I'm a um, you know I'm a parent of very active teenagers who play hockey and do a whole bunch of other things. But part of it is also is that you know acknowledgement, like I'm not in the trenches, I'm not on the front lines like my staff are, you know, seeing patients and doing those kinds of things. So I think I have a different sort of like experience. But it is hard to be in a position of leadership and trying to hold the organization together with the rest of my leadership team and do what we can to sort of support the staff so that we can be available to the community. It's a it's a it's a constant sort of um, weight in my mind for sure. That's you know, weighs heavy on me a lot of times. Awesome. Hey, we're here with Dr. Stately. Uh, Wendy Pilot and Haley Cherry. This is Native Roots Radio, and we'll be right back after this short break. (laughs) 
I heard sex trafficking happens a lot in Indian country. What is that? Here are some of the real reasons why sex trafficking happens in Indian country. Unequal gender roles that were forced on us by colonization. Communities don't have enough resources. Silence around domestic and sexual violence. Lack of attention and justice for missing and murdered indigenous people. There's a lot of behavior that keeps our communities out of balance. These are just a few true reasons why Native communities are targeted by traffickers. When these acts of violence happen in our communities, it opens us all up for exploitation. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. As we pack away the ornaments and bid farewell to the holiday season, it's time to unwrap the gift that keeps on giving, getting protected by a COVID-19 vaccination. This is your chance to make a difference, especially as our Native communities face higher COVID numbers. Those higher numbers underscore the need for collective action. So answer the call and get vaccinated. The latest vaccines are not just authorized, but they're proven effective against the current variants. This is extra protection, even if you've already had previous vaccines, since previous vaccines will eventually wear off. Plus, the new shots are FDA approved for ages six months and up. A COVID vaccine is not just a shot. It's a pledge to safeguard the wisdom and stories handed down by our elders. So join the movement, get vaccinated, and make 2024 the healthiest year ever, securing a brighter future for our Native community. For more information, including details about clinics offering free vaccines, visit vaccines.gov. Signing up for $1 bus and train rides with the Transit Assistance Program, or TAP, is quick and easy. Do it straight from your computer or phone by uploading one of the pre-approved documents listed at metrotransit.org slash TAP, along with a copy of your ID. We'll mail you a go-to card with a full year of discounted rides. For questions or translation help, call 612-373-3333. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition. Hey, we're here with Dr. Stately, and uh, he is the president and CEO of Native American Community Clinic, and it's great talking to you, Dr. Stately. Uh, In honor of Wendy being on and here, uh, I'd like you to talk about what you'd like to talk about in this segment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I was just thinking, like, um, there's so much that's been on my mind today over the last couple of days. I think one of the things that is really, um, you know, prevalent in my, in the forefront of my um, mind and on my heart is, um, you know, the tragic uh, loss of those um, first responders in Burnsville um, over the weekend that responded to a family in crisis. You know, like um, there was a young man who barricaded himself in his home with his um, seven children, um, uh, I think that age range was two to 15, um, resulted in the death of two officers, one um, firefighter, uh, EMT, um, and another one was injured. <clears throat> and then um, he ended up, I think, also either killing himself or he was he was shot, actually, I think, uh, the assailant. But it was such, you know, like that. I, I live in Prior Lake, and Burnsville is like one or two communities over from me. You know, I have a lot of friends who live in Burnsville. I, you know, I have a, my sons play hockey. We play with a lot of those Burnsville families. And so just heartbreaking to like see that on the news and then to sort of like see it, something so close. And then it just kind of makes me think about like, you know, one of the things that I think that we saw happen in, um, in the wake of the pandemic was just the significant um, emotional and psychological and spiritual sort of, um, you know, pain that people were in after the pandemic. You know, there's all kinds of things that have been stressful for families, for for children, for um, parents trying to raise families. Um, And I don't know the conditions or the situation specifically, what as it relates to this one particular family is, but I just know like across Indian country and within tribal communities, 
um, we have struggled with domestic violence for years, right? One of our, um, one of your, you like how I took, just took over the ownership of your show by calling it ours. Um, but one of, <laughs> but one of our, one of the it's sponsors ours. of, but one of the sponsors of our weekly show, our daily show is, you know, is um, an organization in the country that works directly with, um, um, you know, domestic violence and sexual assault in our communities. And this is an issue that is very prevalent in our community. You know, I don't talk a whole lot about this. Um, personally or publicly um, with folks, but, you know, I grew up with a family where, with a mother who, um, you know, had multiple partners who were very violent to her, right? I grew, as a child, I grew up um, seeing my mother, you know, um, treated really poorly by men and harmed physically and, you know, um, <clears throat> and, you know, growing up in a family where it was not uncommon to see weapons, right? <clears throat> and, as I reflect on it now as an adult and I think back, it's like these were like these are um, these are all too common, I think, in our communities, right? And I just think that one of the things I can hope to do um, first, say you know, more like offer some prayers and some, you know, um, some good words and some um, you know, some um, you know, a cry out to um, you know, the creator and the ancestors to find some ways to offer that family some some peace and some comfort which you know those can you imagine being two years old and seeing your your, your father shot and, and going through an experience like that so it's just like heartbreaking it was so heartbreaking for me to like read the story and to listen to it and and just imagine you know <clears throat> you know um i just can't imagine you know my my sons are 16 years old and i think the oldest child in that family is 15 and I can't just imagine like my son's ever experiencing something like that. So, you know, my heart is there. And then I was thinking like, you know, our community has struggled um, in light of the pandemic, with, like job loss and the loss of so many people in our families, and which creates grief. And if you're listening today and you like sort of can relate to this experience, I just want to encourage you to reach out to somebody, reach out to somebody in your community that you can trust, that you have a good relationship with. Um, maybe that person's an elder, maybe that person's another relative, maybe it's a spiritual care person in your community. Um, you know, offer up some medicines, um, go to ceremony, um, speak to a therapist and a counselor if you, have, if you can, but if you're struggling in your families in pain, reach out for reach out for help. Um, at the bottom of our um, screen here is the Strong Hearts Native Helpline, which can help families who are struggling with you know um, violence and um, in all of its form. It doesn't have to be like you know people pointing guns at you. It could be like you know domestic violence. Look like looks at a lot of things, right? So just want to encourage families to reach out for help because um, the sooner you get help. And the more rapidly you get help and um, and actively engage in um, some intervention, um, families can um, can avoid these kinds of outcomes. So. I wonder if uh, Haley, you could give out the the number in the text, uh, Strong Hearts, to our our listeners. Really good point, Doctor Stately, and it is our show. You're a big <laughs> part of this. Yes, you are, Dr. Stately. And thank you for shouting out Strong Hearts Native Helpline. Uh, they, you know, that you can talk to them about domestic sexual abuse, any type of abuse really that you or a loved one may be experiencing. Uh, Strong Hearts Helpline's number is one eight four four seven native That's one eight four four seven six two eighty four eighty three. Or you can chat online uh, 24-7 at strongheartshelpline.org. Yeah. And I think so many times, I think people are feeling emotionally and psychologically desperate, right? I think like, you know, they're, you know, I, I, I try to think about all the times when I was drinking and I was using the times when I felt completely desperate. Like I thought, you know, when I thought ending my life made a lot of sense, right? Thank God I didn't do any of those things, um, you know, I have felt so much stress in my life at different times, not over the last 10 or 15 years, but like certainly when I was very young and I was, you know, trying to figure out how to get through, get through so many challenges as a young person, as a young adult, where I felt just desperate, right? And so 
if you're in that spot, you can also call, you know, the 988 number um, anywhere in, in the nation. And you can um, speak to somebody live um, who will help you, um, you know, and will spend some time talking with you and helping to connect you to services and support so that you don't have to, um, you know, act on your impulses or your feelings about wanting to harm yourself or end your life. Yeah, really, really good point. Wendy, uh, your thoughts? Uh, Dr. Stately brings it home again. Yeah, I, I, it is so important, and I'm so happy that they have these helplines. A lot of people don't like to go in person to talk to a, somebody in, in person, so I'm so happy that they have these phone numbers that people can kind of call almost, you know, anonymously and just talk to somebody and be able to do that. It's, um, you know, I remember working in my clinic and um, trying to find uh, people who can give good mental health advice, uh, a therapist or a psychiatrist or whoever, there was always a wait time. Um, you know, we couldn't get our patients in right away to, to see them. And we had to send our patients to outside uh, facilities, facilities um, to get them seen right away. So it's really important for people to get help right then and there. You know, they they don't need a, a, an appointment three weeks from now. They need an appointment in a half an hour. You know, yeah, that's that's yeah. the that's the the struggle I think. And the beauty of those helplines is that you know. Um, <clears throat> when I was earlier in my career, I used to do a lot of um, uh, suicide prevention work. And one of the things you learn and you learn to sort of as a provider, but also to help people to understand is like the, the, the impulse to sort of like harm oneself is such a short, you know, it, it's, it's powerful, but it's a really short period of time and um, in, in, in a person's overall um, scheme of things of their daily life. And so if you can find a time, if you can find a way to sort of kind of intervene in that just that very short period of time where they're feeling most desperate, um, you really do have the ability to save someone's life so um, and help them um, get help. And, you know, so as individuals, family members, loved ones, concerned um, neighbors, um, um, coworkers, colleagues, you know, when you sort of kind of have this sense that someone is struggling, it's not, it's not, a, it's not, it is not. Um, there is no scientific evidence that suggests that asking them if they're thinking about harming themselves or harming someone else in that moment of desperation, it is actually, some people find it to be tremendously relief, relieving to be asked that question because somebody is finally paying attention to how much they're suffering. So I just want to encourage people to just kind of be a little bit more aware of those things. Wow. Hey, Dr. Stately, always great to hear from you. Um, all the work that you do, uh, boots on the ground in a Native American community clinic. We really appreciate you stopping in as always. Thank you. Sorry, I can't and spend it, the rest of the night with you. I'm going to go do some self-care. And it's and it's us. This is our show. You're a big part of it again. Big peeny All right. You have a good night. All right. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. We'll be right back with Wendy and Haley and uh, Robert Pilot. We'll be right back after the short break. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. The city of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis AIR dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis AIR on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month right here on AM 950. Hey, if you're like a lot of people, you're probably relieved that the holiday celebrations are over. 
But there's one thing that might stay with us from the holidays besides all those gifts, and that's COVID-19. Numbers from COVID are going up as we spend more time inside, and Native Americans are seeing even bigger case spikes. With all the indoor celebrations over the holidays, you may have unknowingly been exposed to someone with COVID-19. That's why it's important to stay vigilant. If you notice any symptoms like a fever, a tickle in the throat, or heavy fatigue, take an at-home test. They're still free and can be ordered at sayyeshometest.org. If you do test positive, you're eligible for free treatment, and no health insurance is required. Visit health.state.mn.us to connect with providers and receive your treatment. Let's make 2024 the healthiest year ever, securing a brighter future for our Native community. Do you want a fast way to save money? It's easy with Rudy Luther Toyota. Start with the Luther Advantage card. With every new and used vehicle purchase, you'll get three years of 10 cents off per gallon of gas at Holiday Station stores, as well as discounted works car washes for only $6. Plus, the Luther Advantage card gets you other benefits, too. See their website for details. And Rudy Luther Toyota wants to buy your used vehicle. They'll ensure a great offer. Go to RudyLutherToyota.com for the details. Saving money and getting you a fair price is easy with Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Hi, this is Frank Brown, owner of Minuteman Press Uptown, Minnesota's only minority-owned union printing company. We have big news. We've moved to North Minneapolis. Why did you move? As a black business owner, I wanted to be part of the North Minneapolis community to provide jobs. Are there other reasons you moved there? We have bigger new equipment and outgrew the other location. What kind of new equipment do you have? We have new equipment that allows us to print quality signage and banners. We also have a new inkjet printer printing larger sheets, improving production efficiencies. Is the new location easy to find? It's not only easy to find, it's more convenient with plenty of parking. We are now located on Washington Avenue North off I-94 and the Dowling exit. So do you still print everything? We print more than everything. We have over 175 Google reviews with a five-star rating. Call 612-870-0777 or visit mpuptown.com. That's mpuptown.com. We print everything. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Cloudy tonight with a low of 26, then Tuesday sunshine with a high of 40. Vinaigrette can add the perfect complement to your next home-cooked meal. Taste test their wide selection of oils and vinegars, and they'll bottle it for you right on the spot. Vinaigrette is located at 50th and Xerxes in South Minneapolis. Check them out at vinaigrettemn.com. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman, one U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by J.S. Bean Factory off Randolph Avenue in St. Paul, bringing you the best coffee, only roasted to perfection. I'm awake. It makes me awake. Wendy, that's one, you, that's one of your favorite blends, too, isn't it, Wen? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Love it. Hey, Wendy, uh, Wendy's going to be doing her uh, animal segment here soon, but I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about what we did yesterday, Wen, and we went to, uh, in in the city, as we love to do, and we went to go see uh, Between Two Knees, uh, mm-hmm. written by the 1491ers, who are basically reservation dogs, and uh, Rutherford Falls writers and creators. Yeah, that's right. It was a fun show. We went yesterday, and that's New York City, um, between two knees, and uh, the theater is down by the 9-11 Memorial, right in that same area, uh, and uh, I just love the show. I it, it really, you know, told the story of um, the oppression of colonizers, um, to the Native American population, and they did it in a funny way. Uh, mm-hmm. There were a lot of laughs, and um, yeah, the show was great. The acting was just wonderful. It was really um, a fun show, a funny show, but it was also a heartfelt show, and I felt myself like tearing up at times. Um, 
Um, but it had everything. It was all of those things. Aww. Well, when yeah, Wendy. Well, you you know the stories uh, from being you know around native and being a native uh, uh, relations and have a native name and been around it all. I think you said a couple really interesting things to me yesterday that a lot of people didn't know these stories, you'd think, a good percentage. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, just about, you know, what happened at Wounded Knee with the FBI. They did like a whole skit on that, which was really hard to watch. But again, they did it in a funny way. And the audience learned a lesson of history while laughing. So yeah. I think that's the sometimes comedy is the best way to get through to somebody and help them understand mm -hmm. um, what's going on instead of saying, you know, the white people did this and, you know, shoving it down their throat, um, mm. but being able to understand it in kind of a lighter, heartfelt way. Right. I thought it was great. Yeah. Well, you know, you always, uh, Lou Holtz always said this. He was a uh, Gophers, uh, head coach football. He said, if you got them laughing, you got their attention. And right. we were making, uh, the 1491ers were not just given quote unquote, the colonizers a hard time. They were given, <laughs> they were giving it back to ourselves too. In a lot of ways, like, like all the, the way they were talking about the aim leaders with, uh, 10 different wives. And oh, that, that was pretty funny. Wasn't it one? <laughs> <laughs> and that all the all the children that were born out of wedlock and they, right. they just like oh, it was kind of um like so, so there were some points where you some points of the show where you're just like oh my god they said that you know like it was <laughs> like really <laughs> wow but yeah was, was that like, you know was that dallas goldtooth and bobby wilson were they some of the writers on that play yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. The okay. 1491ers. Yep. The same people uh, before uh, uh, you can look at it up on YouTube. There's some crude videos of uh, the 1491er uh, comedy troupe that have been working hard on this for 10, 15 years. And uh, there's five of them, Haley, and two of them are Dallas and, and Bobby. And they were uh, commissioned to write this for, write this script a few years ago uh, for a big, uh, I, I can't remember what it was, but it was a big hoop-de-doo. And I know New Native Theater helped them uh, get this going. And so this play has been around for a while, but it was just revisited again. And what really surprised me in a good way, Wendy, was it was sold out. It was hard for us to get tickets. It was. Oh, it was. We couldn't get it. We couldn't get a seat. On their on online um, ticket place, there weren't there were like a couple of seats like scattered around the theater, but nothing together. And we wanted to sit together so we could experience it together, mm -hmm. um, you know, sit by each other. So Robert called uh, the day before and spoke to a woman. And what happened was there were two like handicapped seats that weren't, you know, nobody claimed them and nobody wanted them. Uh, so we we got to sit in that in that section. So we were wow. we were happily able to get two seats together, <laughs> and of course, you know, the majority of the audience were white people. Uh, but there were a lot of Native American uh, people there watching this show. So, yeah, is that only playing in New York? Is that the only place they're doing it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and it's a limited. It's a limited. You know. They're only doing it till what? I think like March fourth. Uh, I think it's even less than that. I oh, think maybe. I saw the twenty fourth. Yeah, yeah, the twenty fourth. So it had been going on uh, the beginning of February. So I think March uh, or February fourth or something like that. So it's got a, a month long run. But I was really pleasantly surprised by the quality of the actors. Uh, the the theater was awesome. Uh, again a couple blocks, maybe one or two blocks from Broadway. So I guess it is kind of a off-Broadway play. That makes sense. Yeah, I remember they were putting that. I remember seeing something on social media. I wish wish I could get out there and see that one. But overall, was it, it was pretty busy. You guys said it was hard to find tickets. Yeah, oh, Robert, yeah. you have the playbill, right? 
Uh, not in front of me. Oh, okay. It was so funny because while I while we were at the theater, a friend of mine who I see oh, who yeah. I've known for like thirty, not forty years. I've known her forty years at least. Um, uh, I'd see her when I come out here to New York every time, and uh, she just she just texted me to just see how I you know hey how you doing and I said oh hey you know Denise we're at the the. I'm here with my husband. We're here at the theater to see a show. I'll talk to you later on. So she goes, oh, which, which show are you going? Which show are you seeing? So I said, oh, Between Two Knees. And she's like, uh-huh. oh, my God, I know Sean. I yeah. can't remember his last name. Robert. Taylor ta- Taylor Colbert. Okay, yeah. I know Sean. If you, I'm going to text him now and tell him you're there. If you see him after the show, tell him I said hello. So I was like, wow, that's so that's like so funny, right? Like, what's the chances of that? Uh, so right. of course, after the show, we stood around for a while to see if the actors came out, and some of them did, and Sean did also. So I went up to him, and I just introduced myself to him, and he was like, oh, yeah, I know Denise, and, you know, you're just talking. But then he says that he also does work for New Native Theater, and he wow. knew uh, – Robert's daughter, my stepdaughter, Jaleesa. So it's yeah. like, really? Yeah. Like, how does that happen? Just like a weird coincidence, you know? I know. And it was from so, Wendy's connection, too, which was just hilarious. It's like, what? I know. So it's so funny. I, She's like, he was like, yeah, Denise texted me that you were going to be here. So, yeah, so weird. Just weird. Life is well, weird. Like, yeah. You know? well, we reached out to Bobby in Dallas uh, a few days before when we were looking for tickets and saw how it was sold out. And uh, he told us that uh, uh, Studi's son is is in this and does an amazing amazing job. And uh, so it's just all these connections. West Studi's son, uh, we know West Studi is getting the first Academy Award of any Native American, and uh, his son's following uh, the footsteps. But uh, uh, I was like really, really, really pleasantly surprised in a good way and it's funny you say this i didn't realize this when but i had a few tears too yeah definitely it was you know it was really heartfelt some and sad a lot of spots but then they would just do a little bit of a comedy twist to it so it was came across more lighthearted. but yeah it was it was everything it had a little bit of everything so yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we were able to to see this, um, and it was it was better than I expected. I thought you know because yeah. comedy is hard to do, and I was yeah. like, well, how are they going to pull this off, right? But they really did a good job. It really was quite quite good, quite good. And it was funny too because there was a would you say a MC or a narrator uh, through most of the thing and. You know, the things he was saying reminded us of what Bobby Wilson would say. So it was pretty funny. And they were making fun of themselves. So you could kind of feel like a lot of the uh, art and uh, words you could. I don't know. It felt very familiar when. That's good. Yes, it did feel familiar. It was quite good. But I think, you know, again, like I said, I think that's a really good way to just, you know, kind of educate people about like the horrific things that were done uh, to the native community and, um, and, and what's not taught in school. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't, they don't, and they did mention that it's like, you know, textbooks don't have any of this stuff in it, you know, where Mm -hmm. children are taught a whole different narrative and they don't even know that any of this happened. So what what I thought was interesting is I clapped a few times and nobody else did. So the audience, I don't know if they were stunned or just listening, but basically at the end of the show, it was like a standing ovation. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's good. Congrats to them. I love, you know, just hearing, especially our people that come out of Minnesota telling, you know, natives telling our own stories well, on yeah. such a big platform. It's yeah, the funny. other thing I want to mention, too, is the week before Robert's daughter was here visiting me, Jalisa, and we went into the city to the New York Fashion Show Week, uh, where there were two, actually two Native American artists, um, fashion designers, 
um, presenting their their new their fashion. So um, it's just wonderful that that's happening now. And you know, native art, um, you know, native fashion is really coming in to mainstream, and it's it's really getting out there. So it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, we're taking control of our own art and, uh, there's a lot of appropriation, like we were talking about Pharrell and all his, but it's good to see that, that natives are doing native things. Wendy, uh, wow. Excited. We're going to keep Wendy on again. And we got a sacred animal portion up here next. Ha <laughs> This is native Ritz radio presents. I'm awake. And Wendy's what studio are you in? I'm in, st- I'm in studio WC. In New York City. We'll be right back. (laughs) Life can be hectic. Sometimes the pressure can feel like too much. And the emotions can be overwhelming. Hennepin County's COPE Mobile Crisis Response is here to listen and help you find a way through whatever is going on in your life. Call 612-596-1223. For no-cost crisis support anytime, anywhere in Hennepin County. That number is 612-596-1223. The City of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis Air dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune into Minneapolis Air on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month, right here on AM 950. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. Hi, this is Philip Anthony, the host of the Downright Upright Show, which is on the air on Saturdays at 5 p.m. I personally want to thank you for supporting my show and for supporting AM 950. So in turn, we want to celebrate you by dedicating February as Listener Appreciation Month. All month long, we will be giving away prizes to our listeners and creating ways to better connect with you. Follow AM 950 social media accounts for chances to win. So join us by making February fantabulous. Anine, I'm Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, and you are listening to Native Roots Radio. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Hey, I want to introduce my awesome and beautiful wife, Wendy. Wendy's been an animal advocate for many years. She's a co-founder of Native Roots Radio, and we've learned so much over the years with uh, your sacred animal sections and just your opinions. And uh, we were at an AM 950 event, and a lot of people were asking for you. So it's good to have you on. Yeah, thanks. Hey, everybody. My name is Hanaji Hihani. That means cares for them. I was given that name by, by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the, of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level, and it's always my pleasure to do that. Yes, Robert, I am in a Studio WC here in New York, and WC stands for Water Closet, so that's where I am today, <laughs> <laughs> so that Robert's... Um, technical devices and mine don't coexist and you get an echo. We don't want that. Right. That Mm. would be, that would be pretty bad. Um, But um, if you come up with that name, just pop it up, Robert and, or, or say something, but um, I found an an awesome article um, in the Humane Society of the United States blog by Kitty Block and Sarah 
Edmondson. Uh, they write and create a blog. Uh, I think it's weekly. It might be bi-weekly. I'm not sure. But this is dated February 5th. Uh, 2024. And I really, I wanted to talk about this because I didn't know this. Um, but this article is um, titled The Wild Animals Who Suffer Because of Animal Agriculture. Um, and you'll be surprised to, to hear about this. So uh, Kitty Block, who is the president and CEO of the Humane Society of the United States, she, she just recently discussed the benefits of reducing the consumption of animal products, both for farmed animal and for the climate. But there are uh, many other potential beneficiaries of a, a revamping of how animals are bred and farmed in various contexts from ranchers to uh, fur farms. And she said, here are some of the wild animals who suffer because of animal agriculture. And the number one animal that suffers because of animal ad agriculture, um, that's cows and sheep and pigs on farms, is wolves. Uh, so she writes, in the United States, the attack on wolves stretches back to the very first European colonizers who arrived with their farmed animals in tow. Gray wolves used to roam across North, North America, living alongside deer, elk, moose, and many other prey species. But the colonizers began an extermination campaign to eradicate them, driven by state-sponsored bounties that awarded cash for their kills. Wolves were systematically shot, trapped, poisoned until by the uh, mid-1900s in all the lower 48 states. Only a few packs remained in a small part of Minnesota. So I myself did not know that this started way back when and that the colonizers brought the cattle and the sheep here to graze on the land um, which they used, you know, to kill those animals and then eat the animals, but they didn't want the wolves also killing those animals. So they just went out and obliterated all the wolves. Um, oh, and right. in the play yesterday uh, that we saw uh, between, between two knees, uh, they talked about, you know, the colonizers who came in and like destroyed all the animals and, and how, um, I've often said, gosh, could you even imagine what, like if the United States was just left on its own and just left to have the Native American people there and there weren't ever any colonizers, what a beautiful, and they kept all their traditions, um, what a beautiful land this would be. And it would have just such a beautiful ecosystem, right? There wouldn't be any climate change. Every, the whole thing would be, you know, a circle of life. And that's not what it is. And this, this article surprised me because I didn't know it. we went, you know, went back to the colonizers. And that's why the wolves were originally killed. So there you go. But, um, but she goes on to say, thankfully, through continued advocacy for the, a strong endangered species act, gray wolves have slowly began to uh, return to the Great Lakes, the Pacific Northwest, the Northern Rocky Mountain re regions, though not without setbacks. And it, it is, it's always a setback because, you know, we've, we've always had a uh, howling for wolves on our show, Dr. Maureen Hackett. And we talk about this over and over and over again. And it just seems to me like every year, every few months, every two years, um, you know, Minnesota wants to take these beautiful gray wolves off the Endangered Species Act. And what happens then? You know, all these people with guns and, you know, they're crazy about killing stuff and they just want to go out and shoot stuff, go out and they obliterate you know, wolves. We saw it happen in Wisconsin when when um, that happened. They took the wolves off the uh, Endangered Species Act, and then they had the you know all the you know hunters come out and kill all the wolves, and they had to stop the 
the wolf hunt like days earlier than expected because they went over the quota. So people want to kill wolves. Um, they also currently, um, they're also currently being restored to Colorado following the passage of Proposition 114 by voters in 2020. Mexican gray wolves are precariously making prog progress in Arizona and New Mexico, as are red wolves in North Carolina. So some uh, ranchers and farmers have modernized their operations, recognizing that there are highly effective non-lethal tools and methods to prevent conflicts with wolves, but many more still engage in cruel and outdated lethal control practices and even team with powerful trophy hunting interest groups to lobby for recreational hunting and trapping to remove even more wolves uh, from the landscape. The fight to ensure a future in which wolves are protected is far from over. So we have to like keep advocating. We have to keep working on um, protecting our wolves. Um, if you want to, please go to the website Howling for Wolves if you live in Minnesota uh, and support them. Dr. Maureen Hackett. Uh, who is the founder and her team there do a great job of advocating for our Minnesota wolves, which we want to keep for future generations. That's what we say every, every show. Um, mm -hmm. Let's see what else she has here. Okay. So in addition to wolves, other native species, such as black bears, grizzly bears, mountain lions, coyotes, foxes, and many more suffer from government led and taxpayer funded. Your taxpayers are ta tax dollars are paying for this funded lethal predator control programs at the, at, because they want to protect who, who do they want to protect? the cattle and the sheep ranchers because they have such great lobbying power and political control in Washington, DC. So that's the story I, I wanted to talk about tonight. Go on to Kitty Block's blog, uh, the Humane Society of the United States and check it out. Thank you so much. You. Big peeny, big peeny Wendy Haley, Dr. Stately and Lieutenant Governor Cyril Rodriguez. This has been Native Ritz Radio presents I'm Awake and We're Still Here. And free Leonard Peltier. Now. now.